Hello everyone, this is Tribecast, episode slash special, and my name is Marina. You know, this week we prepared something very, very special for you. Slash was so huge and so intense and so full of great people that this episode will have two parts. So welcome, this is Tribecast, slash special episode, day one. Let's get started. Hello, Kalle. Thank you very much for having time for this interview. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi, thanks for having me. So, yeah, my name is Kalle Salmi. I'm the founder and CEO of Kodit.io, the leading instant home buyer in, in, in Europe. About myself, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. Been a, always been an entrepreneur. Started my first company already when I was doing my master's degree in Helsinki School of Economics, where I also studied entrepreneurship and information technology. So, it has for me, it has been always part of uh, everything about entrepreneurship and, and otherwise I'm a yeah a family man father of two kids one year three years it makes life even better and funnier and pretty hectic sometimes so could you please explain what exactly Coded is doing yeah so with Coded what we've been doing for the past two and a half years building this type of machine learning powered real estate data platform <laughs> uh, which is basically a system that follows housing markets real time and, and leveraging that technology, we run this uh, buyer, so instant home buyer business, which means that we give home sellers, normal consumers, fast, almost instant, fair database cash offers on their homes, flexibility to choose their closing and moving date, and even an opportunity to lease back their old home in order to avoid any temporary housing arrangement. And for home buyers, we offer homes that are easy to buy. They are renovated, they are moving ready, uh, and of course, we give these buyers an opportunity to trade in their old home for a database. Well, as a family person, you definitely understand the value of home. Yeah, I mean, it's a painful process, even though I had pretty good experience as a, as a real estate investor myself already before starting Codit, I think more than, I mean, hundreds of transactions as an investor. I kind of like this idea really hit me when I was moving to, to our or buying a new home to us when my wife was pregnant for our first, first child. And even though I was quite well positioned to, to kind of handle all that, uh, it was still a huge pain. Super inconvenient, pretty frustrating at, at times. Uh, got my answer, thank you. About entrepreneurship in general, you mentioned that you have the business education. Do you believe that one needs a degree to start a successful business? If you want to be successful in business, it makes sense to have somebody in the team who understands business. I mean, entrepreneurship education is a little bit controversial, I would say. It's kind of like, can you, can you go to a school, can you go to a, a classroom? And, and be an NHL player in, in ice hockey, for example. It, it doesn't work like that. So it's a nice thing to, to study, but I mean, everything is learned on the field. So will you name your education as one of the reasons for Codit's success? Well, I think, I simply think we've been, we've been quite successful in many ways with Codit. We've been growing pretty fast, getting absolutely the best talent that is out there in Europe. I think we have a great product in a, in a way that we are really solving a major problem in people's lives, simplifying the largest financial decision that people are making during their lifetimes. So I, I'm sure that, that all that played a role. Uh, also kind of being a consumer play started in Finland. We are kind of a category leader in our space in Europe, which, may, which is also pretty rare that, that companies start in a small country like, like Finland get to be in that position. So. So I think those were some of the things. I have no idea how much they valued my 
more than 10 years in entrepreneurship. <laughs> but but yeah, it might have played a role there. And for our listeners, I'd like to remind that Coded has been named the startup of the year. Congrats again on the award, Kalle. Do you happen to remember what was your first thought when you heard about it? Honestly, my first thing, great, it, this helps the talent acquisition even more. So, And I think we received several applications the same day, so it was basically true. All right, I think the award can be considered great marketing by itself. Yeah, I mean, of course, we, we have a lot of finance professionals, real estate professionals, who are definitely coming out of the tech scene and, and all this kind of slush and startup hype. And I think for those people, it's pretty hard to evaluate different startups and opportunities. And, and having this kind of recognition really helps us to, to validate that we are one of the better employers in the, in the game. Okay, now our listeners know that if they're looking for a job, they should check code it. And if they're looking for houses, they definitely should check code it. Um, speaking of slush, what are your expectations? I mean, for, for myself, a few past slush events have been all about meeting different uh, international investors mostly. I, I think I have definitely plus 10 meetings today, several side events during the evening and, and so forth. So it's all about meeting as many as many people as possible or kind of prearranged, meeting the right people and a lot of meeting a lot of people that we've been in contact but actually haven't ever met in person. So I would say that 80-90% of my time is spent in the meeting area. Kalle, could you give advice for those who are doing their first steps in the startup world? How to schedule meetings with the right people at these big events? First of all, I, I think you in kind of startup world try to always get an intro, whoever you are meeting. So, so try to find a mutual connection and try to try to first find one friend who knows people. That's a great way to start. I mean, I'm pretty sure that a lot of the investors, same goes to us kind of startups. We get a lot of lot of meeting requests, people we have no idea why they want to meet and and what what is this about and, and so forth. So that's of course quite hard to land the land the right meeting so do your research decide who you want to meet why you want to meet and try to find someone who can introduce you all right thank you very much for having time for this interview hope you will have a nice and productive time at slush thank you very much thank you hello my name is alexander smirnov and i'm really pleased to have this interview with you marina at this wonderful event of slush so i'm co-founder and cto of spin drive company I have moved to Finland around 10 years ago to make my doctoral dissertation in Lapland University, which I have succeeded in 2012. Afterwards, I have been working around universities here, but since last year, I have decided to pursue an entrepreneurial career with this company. Yeah. What was your point of switching from research to business? Well, I have noticed that in the research, of course, you are doing a great thing, trying to attack new problems. But when you really want to see how you are making impact to everyday's life of our persons or maybe other companies or technology, then the fastest way to do that is through startup. Right. I really, really like this thought. I don't know if you were watching the um, opening words. Um, the host said that um, basically there is the notion of impact company, but it's a little bit worn out because every company makes a decent impact nowadays. Every small startup is valuable and can change the world. So. Um, yeah, probably it is It is easier to change the world while doing a business. So what exactly your business is about? So our company provides frictionless magnetic bearings for electrical motors, and they bring several benefits as reduced maintenance, increased efficiency, and also this is oil-free technology that can save uh, the oil and CO2 emissions around the world. Well, uh, this is a part of the electric motors. 
you know, to make rotational things so that the system is rotating, you need bearings. Well, this is quite a typical technology. Ball bearings are everywhere. You can see them. But certain applications, especially the ones that are related to high-speed machinery, such as turbines, compressors, traditional ball bearings just can't withstand. They require quite frequent maintenance because there is friction where of components. Usually this is solved with lubrication, such as oil. What we are proposing is to solve this problem with magnetic field. So we are levitating the rotor totally in the air with magnetic forces, no mechanical contact, no friction. Better efficiency. Mm-hmm. And according to the looks Harry's given me, he's impressed. Oh, he's just happy with the sound. Works either. Um, by the way, I should probably mention that uh, it's the first time we're recording in Framery booth, so hello, Framery. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got the idea. Um, do you happen to remember how did it come up to your mind? And again, it's a very technological idea, but why still you consider yourself a startup? Let's start from the first thing, how it came out. So uh, we've been researching that area in the university with our team, which later formed the core team of the company. We've got several projects in that area, everything related to the kind of magnetic circuit and magnetics. And we have seen kind of demand from the industry in that area that can't be fulfilled at the moment. So we have decided that we'll try to fulfill it by pushing uh, our research into the product. Each idea needs some support and funding. And uh, there are several ideas why, how we are trying to build that business that are innovative and have not been tried previously. So we are trying to push that for the investors. So basically your expectations of slash 2019 is to meet an investor. Yeah, for sure. We have closed our seed financing round uh, this summer. And now we are trying uh, to prepare ourselves for a next AC round investment. So we already started looking for potential investors uh, to get their feedback, how the company should develop, what they're expecting to get financing to secure our growth. Congress on closing the seed round. And good luck with, with Slush. Is it your first Slush? Personally, yes, this is my first Slush, but our team has been attending for two years. All right. So what are your personal expectations? Well, besides looking for the discussions with the investors, I'm also looking for possible partners, maybe some companies that would like to apply this technology, maybe some technology that we can apply to make our technology better. Well, nowadays, the information is on, on the trend, and for sure, nowadays, you cannot survive without software here or there. And this is also the story of our company. We are trying to close several software aspects, so we are looking probably for suppliers who can help us. Mm-hmm. So you cannot be considered an early stage anymore. And how many are on the market? The company has been established lately 2015. Then we were looking for this seed investment almost two years. All right, and you're based in Helsinki, right? We have like two offices, so one in Helsinki, but the most of our team is and laboratory is situated in Lapinranta. Okay, right. So you moved to Finland first to study then to work. As a foreigner, was it easy for you to start a business here? I think it was quite straightforward. We didn't face any problems, I would say, just registering the company, getting all these taxation things. and. Um, my qu- I should probably explain my question because I quite often get involved in the discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, on the one hand, there is a little bit of hype around, um, in a good way, pushing international talents into starting their own business when moving to Finland rather than looking for a job like mm-hmm. a classical job. On the other side, some people are really reluctant and afraid of starting a business in a new country before you, you know, learn the culture, 
recently learned the language and stuff like that. What's your opinion about that? I can like tell a little bit my story because uh, I got kind of a quite secure position in the universities and research institutes in Finland. Then I decided to switch to the startup and it has been quite a long, I've been in the country so I know it more or less well. So there was no kind of this um, challenge for me. The infrastructure was there, understanding how things are working was there when we make a decision and started the company. Regarding the question about pushing uh, external people to start new things, well, I can't say it's good or bad. Probably it's a kind of challenge uh, that you have to accept by yourself, if you are eager to do that or not. I, at least I do not feel or did not feel in my experience any any such push that was strictly like, you have to do that. Of course, nowadays, everyone is talking about entrepreneurial mindset. This is educated at universities, but then you have your own choice. You can persuade this like totally on yourself by establishing company. You can do internal startups in the big companies. And it's always a good thing when you learn how to pitch and promote yourself. It helps you both in your own personal life and your career. Is it a big company or a small company or a startup? How do you choose, uh, Slash is super big, how do you choose the people to talk to? I was using uh, the Slash matchmaking platform as a main instrument, and I got like several aspects uh, where I would like uh, to make a footprint. So investors, suppliers, partners, and then media. Every startup should make some noise about themselves to promote their ideas, because the more people you know, know about you, uh, the more contacts you get, so you get the better contacts out of that. You have better possibilities and more choice. If no one knows about you, well, you can do nothing. Thank you, Maria. It was a pleasure. And we continue our special episode, Tribecast at Slush. By the way, I reckon that Slush is the perfect place to talk to people and companies you have heard of, but have never met personally. Let me introduce one of those to my dear listeners. Hello, Margaret Juliana. Thank you very much for joining our episode. Yes, hi. Thanks for having me. My name is, my full name is Margaret Juliana Sigurdardóttir. I don't uh, uh, blame you for not saying the surname, which is a challenge for everyone. Uh, I am the CEO and co-founder of Mozilla, uh, and we are the dev- developers of Mozilla Music School. Formerly, uh, and actually I don't use usually the word formally, because I I say that, you know, I am a musician. I graduated from the Royal Academy of Music in London as a professional classical singer, but I was also in bands before that, and also after that, and I kind of turned back to the dark side of, of playing jazz and, and pop and rock music and my own compositions. Um, and I've sort of based my, this company is, is based on that foundation. I'm also a mother of a 12-year-old gem turning into a teenager. It is, you know, actually the most exciting thing in my life. That reminds me, I once had a talk with one of the co-founders of Tribe Tamper Startup Community. And we were discussing that when at school, kids are usually separated into, you know, the good folks and the bad folks. And I was like, hey, man, you got a startup and you played in a band, you definitely were the bad guy. And he gave me a look and was like, you know, it was a folk band, Marina. I was a good guy. Anyways, you went from classical music and classical music education to startup world. How did it happen? Yeah, well, I think uh, the bad person kickers can be also the good people. Yeah, the the, the, the good girls and good boys. I, I definitely was one of the good girls, but I was also very much a rebel. And criticizing everything. I was planning to become a, uh, the minister of education when I was, I think, 12 or something because I wanted to change the system. And I just realized the other day that's actually what I'm trying to do now as an entrepreneur. 
well, also the background is, you know, I was, uh, my father was in a rock band, but my grandmother took me to all the symphony orchestra concerts. So that's also s- some sort of a re- rebellion in that and just going between boxes and, and, and fields in, in whatever you're doing and not confirming to, to something that is set, reset for you. And, uh, well, why did I take the route of entrepreneurship? Actually, the story is, uh, I don't know how common it is, but it's a bit of a... Basically, I was studying uh, at the Royal Academy of Music in London, and I was practicing musician there for two or three years. And then I, you know, at the time, Iceland economy was booming. So if anyone wanted, if there was a family, uh, someone related to me who died, they flew me from London to Iceland to sing in the funeral. You know, it was just like a... Traveling between Iceland and London was like no deal, no big deal. You know, it was just like red buses, you know, the airplanes going back and forth. Uh, then uh, I moved back in 2006 and I had my daughter 2007 and a little bit kind of unplanned, but of course wonderful. And uh, then I bought a flat and the flat turned out to be molded and we had the financial crash in 2008. And suddenly there are no red buses uh, going back and forth to London anymore. And uh, so my sort of plan of being based in Iceland, having an international career, you know, doing some studio recordings, et cetera, et cetera, were sort of crushed. And But it was, a, it was actually a, a very good push because then I decided to do something maybe more, or I just had to do something more uh, that I could see more financial, let's say, security. And then I became an entrepreneur. And then everyone was like, Okay, how how secure is that or safe? But uh, I feel as an entrepreneur, you, I feel like at least in my case with Musila, it has been really, you know, step forward, step forward, step forward, always going to the to the good and, and right direction, always uh, moving somewhere. As a musician, you may do amazing things, but you sort of you always have to go back to point zero. Like you do a project, you back to point zero. So me having a long-term project uh, that has a growth potential, that was a, a new thing for me. And I really uh, like that. Plus, I just love doing what I'm doing. I cannot but agree about the necessity of loving what you're doing. Um, by the way, how old is Musila? Uh, I uh, founded the company with my co-founder, Hilmar Thorbergisson, who's a, a computer engineer in 2015. I have been developing the concert for two years prior to that. And yeah, so... We are about four years old, turning five in February. And how would you describe the current stage of the company? I consider ourselves in a very important crossroads right like right now. We have been funded by the Icelandic Technology Development Grant, uh, which has been compensated with investment in total for, uh, I don't know, $2 million or something in total. And now we're uh, raising funds for 1 million euros, actually, and we're quite far with that. Uh, right now, and looking for actually a strong investor abroad to to finish that round with us, that has a route to to the next level. But but we are we also have deals, a publishing deal with NetEase in China for a new platform that they're launching with educational applications, and another one with a Finnish uh, or from Rovio Hatch, if you know that. And uh, both very very exciting opportunities for Mozilla. And we launched our subscription model uh, just this May. So we are still fine-tuning that and launching like with a big marketing campaign uh, in a few weeks. So definitely very exciting times for you. Good luck with that. Could you please shortly explain to our listeners what Musila is about? 
Yeah, we are uh, Mozilla Music School is our main product, and that is a curriculum-based uh, mobile application. So you so you progress through skill building challenges uh, and music theory, set up as little courses or, or which are actually small, you know, uh, like little maps that you go through for each topic, where you learn the middle C, you learn the quarter note. So from uh, with a variety of exercises, you are we implement step by step the music theory and the sight reading. Then another part of the game uh, is called play, and that's where you have similar maps and courses for uh, each song, so you can learn learn it step by step. And this is a catalog that, that we're going to grow into a bigger one, so that you can find the song that you like and you can learn it, learn to play it. Yeah, and and the third part is a creative platform, Mozilla DJ, where you can create your own music and scratch like a real DJ. <laughs> But but the, but the whole game is based on an adventurous setting. Uh, so we, there's a little storyline. This is for kids, for children. We're starting there at least. Uh, where you have these four characters that crash on this island of Musila. And they are musicians themselves. And they know how to read music and write music. But they meet with the uh, lo- locals, which are the monsters of Musila. Who meet in the evenings for jam sessions. And, you know, so they teach them how to play by ear. And, you know, join a band. And the other ones teach the, other, the monsters uh, how to read music. I should say I got fascinated by what you guys are doing some time ago when I ran into Musila online, and that's why I was glad to meet you at Slush. Speaking of Slush, what are your plans and expectations? Well, we started yesterday. It took off quite nicely when we we actually won the Nordic Tech Awards at the at the Excited, which is a huge honor for all of us and 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 uh, my team. We are yeah we we are definitely looking for investors and connections, collaborators for uh, further growth of Musila here in Slush. This is a fantastic summit here that we have. You know, everyone is at Slush, you, you know, if you're in the industry. And so it's not only me who's there, we, the whole team, we decided to come, all of us. And uh, for, for the tech people, they, our CTO and the programmers, they are extremely uh, inspired to be here. They want to meet people who, you know, with the latest tech and, and, and see what's next up. And uh, for in game design and programming, and then uh, the business, us, the, me and, and Jonkunar, our marketing director, we are uh, meeting the investors and collaborators, and uh, um, we have also our music director who is uh, meeting with the musicians and, and people doing interesting stuff in the sounds. Yes, and I think that was definitely a very good example for our listeners to understand that all kind of people with all kind of backgrounds can find their place in the startup world. Yeah, I think being in a game studio is is actually amazing because you have you have people from such a completely different backgrounds. It's really really interesting. This is much more fascinating than I thought myself. I wasn't I was not a, an avid gamer. You know, I didn't play computer games when I was little. I just played music and just it, it's really it's like a, a volcano to to have explosion to have people from such different backgrounds. And characters, and there's so much, the culture, your friends and everything, we, you know, we, we all come, we are all adding, you know, it becomes so big, and especially in Iceland, when like, if you're in the music, music scene in Iceland, you know everyone in the music scene, but you may not know a single person who is a computer programmer. So this is really, really exciting thing for me. Thank you very much for the interview. Yeah, so I am Andy Mattias, and I'm um, currently a planet-centric designer uh, at Vincent. A little bit more about me personally is I'm uh, someone who's really passionate about sustainability, 
this is like my my kind of reason for being. Um, and and I, I'm from the U.S. Um, I spent about five years in New York City. I was doing like film and photography there, and I kind of saw the the belly of the beast of consumerism. My creative capacities were being used to kind of sell more products that people didn't really need, um, and helping you know companies to grow on on unsustainable grounds. So um, what I'm trying to do now is is to use use my skills for something more meaningful. Via photography to sustainability mm-hmm. and now to mm-hmm. business, which is a spin-off of Vincent in yeah. some sense. Can you please explain a bit yeah, more sure. about your project? Yeah. So um, actually, a lot of people have some ideas about photography that are not really how I see it. I, I basically see myself as a, a sociologist with a camera. So you're observing... Uh, you're trying to kind of understand the essence of what's happening in front of you and capturing it visually. And this is something that's a skill that can be used anywhere. So uh, when it comes to um, Vincent, we need to kind of understand what's the what's what's the essential pieces of, of a business that should stay and what can we change and how can we kind of realign it with, with some needs of the planet. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of how photography came in. Uh, but actually in between that, I did a master's at uh, Alto at the Creative Sustainability Program. Uh, and this is something I, I highly rec- recommend for people who uh, w- want to do startups is to, to go through this program first and kind of understand how, w- what does sustainability really mean because we can't just be doing any old startup. You know, any old idea isn't really enough anymore. It has to be the right problem. And if we're trying to kind of do like some little tweaks around the edges with a, with a new startup that might be a little bit better, a little bit different, it, it might not be the right problem to choose. So this is something that uh, we need to focus on. Tell me a bit more about planet-centric design. Yeah, okay. Planet-centric design is kind of like the natural evolution of design. So I'm sure you know that there's you know, desirability, feasibility, viability. And these, these things can, uh, you know, they can create amazing products and services. They can be successful. You can make some money. But they don't think about the wider impact of products. Uh, it's not really understanding you know, uh, what, what's going to be the effect if there's a million of these things. If, if the whole planet starts using this, what's, what's going to happen? Uh, where is it going to go? That kind of thing. So what planet-centric design is doing is, is trying to build on this and still have like profitable services by using kind of a wider lens that is like systemic, transparent, and responsible. And what we've we've been doing now is we're developing like a toolkit and a new methodology so that um, you know when you're designing a new service or product, you can use this these tools to ask those big questions that help you do uh, like actually sustainable products and services. Yeah, that's the long and the short of it. But yeah. I have to kind of ask why doing that in a sense that before I stepped into the startup community, I had a feeling that big companies, and Vincent is big enough, so big companies, corporations, don't really care about nature, don't really care about what's going outside of instant money. So why allowing that? Why putting some resources and finance into planet-centric? Yeah, I actually, I, I share some of those beliefs that, you know, companies aren't, aren't doing enough and they don't care and, and a lot of times it is true for Vince's case I mean the fact that we uh, are investing some uh, some time and resources they've hired some new people we've been given like you know total access to everything Vincent has to develop some new services uh, so I think Vincent's uh, on the right track but yeah I mean I think companies basically are starting to realize that they don't have a choice and that consumers are demanding this uh, so it's, it's the market forces are working in a way it's slow there's been way too long of a delay But I think there, there is kind of a tipping point now where companies are, are saying, if I, if I want to keep selling my thing, if I want to exist, I have to start asking these questions about sustainability and to meet the new like, uh, values. And then, of course, there's legislation coming. So, I mean, with Finland, there's 2035, we're supposed to be carbon neutral. You know, if we're serious about that, that's, that's a huge, that's, that's massive. And, you know, companies are going to have to, like, 
really pick up pick up the slack and 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 hit the ground running. And then so of course, uh, like companies like Vincent who do some consulting work, we're gonna have to like help companies to do that. So we're gonna have to like you know get them into a place where they can they can do their services and, and products uh, sustainably. That's kind of our role. All right, so let's start finally taking the planet seriously. And we can hear the round of applause from the uh, one of the stages, and I guess it would have been the same applause to the idea. Mm. By the way, all the big festivals, all the big startup festivals are nowadays trying to be sustainable. Slush is not an exception, and Stream, of course, is not an exception. Speaking of Slush... What are your expectations here? What are your plans for these two days? Well, I'm, I'm really hoping to actually talk to the media because we want to get planet-centric uh, design kind of out to the world. We don't want it to be something that is just a Vincent thing. Uh, actually, like the toolkit that we have, we'll be open sourcing and trying to spread it as much as possible, get it in other designers' hands because this isn't really like a... It's not a competitive sport, sustainability. It's a team sport. Uh, and we need to work together. But what I'm hoping to get out of slash... Well, I mean, I've already seen a few things that are a bit problematic from a sustainability point of view. You know, there's a few startups here who are who have got some new tech, a new new product, and the question that I have is, you know, why? You know, you spent four years developing this thing. It's a new material, maybe, but like, do we need it? You know, is it is it what's the purpose? And I think that um, that's still kind of prevalent here. Is is the why question? You know, we can do something, but like, why are we doing it? So I think you know that. There can be some sustainable processes here. Where there's like, you know, they'll recycle some of the materials, and you know, they've got some like vegan options for food. But it's really about kind of the, the the activities going on here, and what kind of what's the why? You know, what's driving all the the, the startups here? I think that's something that still needs to be worked on. I really liked your thought that sustainability needs team. So you believe that there can be cooperation between startups within one topic? Yeah, I really do. And actually, like, I'm hoping to. Uh, we have our launch event coming out uh, coming next week, and uh, you know I invited our quote unquote competitors to come because like we all need to start being able to answer these problems. And there's you know I think just recently business uh, business review said you know 11 trillion uh, euros or dollars in uh, sustainability market by 2030. So I'm, there's there's going to be plenty for everybody. Uh, I mean it's a societal transformation. So. Um, yeah, I'm not worried about there not being enough. <laughs> yeah. Sharing is caring, and I guess it's definitely worth cooperating within one topic for the good of everybody. All right, thank you very much, Andrew, for this interview. I feel that it's getting even more and more loud. I would like to remind our listeners that we are recording on the spot at just in the media lounge, just in the middle of slush, and there are lots of great people. Thank you very much for having time and energy for this interview. Let's give a shout-out to the world about your project, and good luck with all your other scheduled meetings and interviews.